Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, I'm going to be continuing our series this morning on Deck the Halls. And I don't know if you know, but Christmas is nine days away. Christmas Day is nine days away. And I know that because I've seen the Christmas decorations, all right? And I know in this room, there's a myriad of people who have all sorts of thoughts about when you should put the decorations up at home. Show me by hands here this morning, who are, who are the purists that say when the Christmas pageant's on, that's when the Christmas tree goes up? Awesome. Okay, who are the parents who are here this morning that typically it's December 24th, you've wrapped all the presents, you've gone to put them under the tree and you've gone, no tree, I put the tree up on Christmas Eve. Yeah, I knew there was a few of you in here. What I do know that is whatever your thoughts and processes of decorating your house, we spend a lot of time and money putting up Christmas trees, putting the wreaths on the door, putting lights on. Every year people are adding and adding and adding uh, to their Christmas decorations. In fact, our neighbours added some new lights uh, to their house, uh, obviously, this week. I know that because they're shining really bright in our bedroom. (laughs) But whatever it is, we spend a lot of time and money putting things up in uh, late November, December, only to come and take them down in January. And even actually, as I say that, sometimes that's a bone of contention. Do you take them down on the 6th of January after the 12 days of Christmas? Do they take them down on the 1st of January because it's the beginning of the new year? All I do know is if it's February and all your Christmas stuff is up, there's something wrong. All right. But what I've noticed is we spend a lot of times decorating our houses with things that come out in December, go back in January. And that behaviour sometimes manifests and works its way into our lives in terms of we put behaviours on that we bring out at Christmas or we bring out at special occasions only to put them back in the box or put them away when Christmas is finished or that special occasion has passed by. And there are some decorations we believe and some behaviours we believe that should adorn our life, not just at Christmas time and special occasions, but should adorn the halls of our life daily, day in and day out. And that's the premise behind this series uh, that we're doing, Deck the Halls, that they're not just things we're talking about, like Pastor Ashley spoke about goodwill, Dan spoke about hope last week, Tony spoke about generosity. These aren't just decorations we bring out in December and then put away in January. These are behaviours we believe should be adorning our lives day in, day out, every day of the year. And this morning, I want to talk about the behaviour of joy. Everyone say joy. joy. Oh no, you, you can't say joy like joy. Everyone say joy. joy. Say joy like you mean it. Joy. I thought I knew some of you were going to do it. Joy like you mean it. All right, smarty pants. All right. So this morning, I'm going to talk about Uh, joy. And did you know that there are two types of joy? There's the joy because of, and then there's the joy in spite of. So joy because of is, I won the lottery, woohoo, I am joyful. Whereas a joy in spite of is a joy that we've put on that says, you know what, despite the circumstances I find myself in, I choose to be joyful. And I don't know about you, there are times in my life, and I often see it, I see a lot of people who endure life 
rather than enjoy life. And I believe that's because they have found the secret to because of joy, but they haven't tapped into the secret of in spite of joy. We have a enduring type of lifestyle and not an enjoying one when we have this concept that joy and being happy is dependent on things happening to me. It's depend- if things would change in my life, then I would be happy. And so what happens is we say, you know what, if I changed my job, maybe then I'd be happy. Or if I change my uh, location, maybe I'm going to move up to Queensland where the sun is all the time, except this week where they've got a cyclone, so Adelaide is better. But you think about, actually, I'm going to change my joy. If I change my location, then I'd have joy. Or perhaps some of you secretly are saying, if I change my spouse, then I would have joy. Or we want to change our bodies. We want to change our bank balance. We want to change our wardrobe. We want to change things because we have this concept and thought that circumstantially, if things change, then joy would come. And the problem with that is when we believe that joy comes because of our circumstances, we never actually learn how to find joy in the now because we're never happy, settled or content with what's going on now. We're always looking for that next thing because that next thing is what's going to bring me joy. And we have to understand that there is an in spite of joy that is available to each and every one of us. Because what I've discovered is life happens. John chapter 13, Jesus says, hey, guess what? Trouble's coming. And you're like, oh, thanks. That's really helpful. But he goes on to say, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And what he's telling us, church, is that, you know what? Life happens. Things are going to happen to you. And if your joy is dependent and it's a because of joy, then your joy is going to be up and down. It's going to escape you. It's going to be missing when you probably most need it because you've got a circumstantial based of because joy. And God wants you and I to have a in spite of joy, in spite of life happening to me, in spite of circumstances and today not being exactly what it is I want. I can have a joy because there's an in spite of joy available to you and an available to me. And so I want to share this morning just quickly on how we can get this in spite of joy. I know I want a joy that isn't just brought out at Christmas because I know I'm going to get the gift I've been hinting for 364 days coming. It's not that kind of joy. I want to have a joy that no matter what or if nothing is under that Christmas tree for me, it's not dependent on my joy. It's not where I've put my hope, my faith and my trust, but I have a joy that's inexplainable. I have a joy that is sustaining. I have a joy that is in spite of where I presently find myself. And what I want to do is actually look at the life of Paul and the joy that he experiences. And before we read our text this morning, it will be up on the screen. I just need to give us a little bit of background to what's going on. Because when you understand what's been happening in Paul's life, and then he, we read what he says... I, think, I look at myself and go, so what am I complaining about? What am I whinging about? What am I so all out of shape about when I see this? So let's just give, let me give you a little bit of background as to what's been going on in Paul's life. At the time of him writing what we're about to read, he's already just spent two years in prison. He was sent on a ship 
to go stand trial in Rome because of his faith. He appealed to Caesar, so they didn't know what to do with him. So they sent him to Caesar. On his way to Rome, he is in a storm, a ferocious storm that everybody on the ship thought that they were going to lose their lives. So we're not talking just a little bit of seasickness here. We're talking a major storm which left him shipwrecked, which left him stranded, on an island. And then when he was on the island, he thought he would do the right thing and try and gather some wood to create a fire so that everyone can get warm. And he's bitten by a poisonous snake. So then people are thinking that he's going to die, but he doesn't die. Um, He eventually has to winter there in this island. Then another ship comes and he's sent to Rome. He spends then another two years when he's in Rome in jail. He is uh, awaiting to be executed. He's been told that he is going to be executed and he spends 24 hours a day chained to two guards who rotate on four hourly shifts. So he has no privacy and he's living in appalling conditions and yet Paul is recorded as saying this in Philippians 1.18. He says, I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. And so I'm going to read to us today because I want to say, okay, Paul, if you're going through all of that and you're saying, hey, but I'm rejoicing and I'll continue to rejoice, I want to know that this man's secret because there's been things in my life, I'm sorry, but I haven't been shipwrecked. I get seasick, so shipwrecked, I probably won't. You won't find me on a ship to get shipwrecked. But I haven't been bitten by a snake. I haven't um, had some of these things. I've not been imprisoned. I know there's lots of things I've done, but imprisonment is not one of them. And so there's also, I just think, what have I got to complain about? So I'm like, Paul, I want to find out what is the secret that you have and I want to know for myself and then let us know because I don't want it to be a secret. I want an in spite of joy. No matter what I'm going through, I can have a joy where I too can be like Paul and says, I rejoice. Oh, I rejoice. So if you will turn with me to Philippians chapter 1 and we're going to read from verses 12 to 21 and it will be up on the screen behind me. It says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defence of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So what are the four essentials for joyful living according to Paul? Well, I think the first one is this, that you and I need to get a higher view. 
Did you know that your view determines everything? I remember about 20 years ago, I did a um, 12 week, 12 week, eight week tour of the United States. And we did this camping tour where we went, we started in the East Coast in New York, went all the way down to the foot to Miami, went all the way up through the middle up to uh, San Francisco and ended up in, in Los Angeles. And the whole way in doing this trip, the one thing I was really looking forward to was Yosemite National Park. Everybody had raved to me about Yosemite and how amazing it was. Now, we were on a tour. There was probably eight of us and we had our tour guide and everybody is raving about Yosemite. So, I mean, I'm almost wishing my six weeks away to get to Yosemite Park. So we get to Yosemite National Park. It was July 4th. Uh, so it was Independence Day and we get there and we, we camped. I know I don't look like a camper, but we camped for eight weeks in the United States, put our tents up, packed them up, moved on in a, cam- in a camper van. And so we get to the campground. We set up our tents and um, everyone's talking about it. And I have to be completely honest and I apologise to any Americans who are here at the moment, but I was really, really dejected about Yosemite National Park. I was like, is this it? <laughs> like, serious? Like, yeah, it's, like, it's pretty. I mean, there's trees and there's grass and there's, I can see here, but I'm like, all the hype and all the, what this was about, I'm like, we've got parks like this back home that are just nice and yes, I know, I'm in another country and yes, yes, yes. Anyway, our tour guide had said to us in the morning, we were all going on a hike and he just sort of talked to us. We got up early and we went on a hike, a nine our hike. I know, I did it. I made it. And um, we did this nine hour hike. And when we got to the top, I remember coming around the corner. I mean, we, let's be honest, we whinged and complained the whole time. In fact, we made up a song. Our tour leader's name was Bob. And so we would make up this song and we were just putting Bob in and we didn't realise there were some hikers behind us and they overtook us and they're going, hey, we don't know who this Bob guy is, but he's in trouble. (laughs) So, So anyway, I remember coming around the precipice and then I almost got smacked in the face of the beauty of Yosemite Park. See, when I was down in the valley, I, I, I knew the Half Dome was there and I knew El Capitan were there. They're the two landmarks of Yosemite Park. But it was like, mm. But when I got a higher view, when I spent nine hours walking and got up to a perspective, I suddenly didn't see uh, El Capitan and the Half Dome as I'd seen it before. I started to see it in a whole nother way. And what I love about what Paul is saying here is we look at it and say, Oh, Paul, that's really rough. Just for your faith, you've gone through this. And and Paul's going, people, don't, don't look at it. God has a better plan. Can't you see? Do you know what? I have had opportunity because of my chains. In fact, Paul goes on to say, I wish you were all like me, except for these chains. Because don't you see what has happened to me has gone to advance the kingdom? When you, if you want to have a joy in spite of, we've got to stop seeing things as we see them and we've got to start seeing it from God's perspective. We need to get a higher view. Paul is saying, don't you get it? I've got a captive audience. 4,380 times I've been able to witness to my guards because that's four, uh, two years, four hour shifts, people change. 4,380 times. Not why these chains? Why am I here? God, why have you forsaken me? Why, what did I do wrong? All I did was stand. He's saying, no, 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 you don't get it. 
I've been able to speak to people I would never have been able to speak to, but because I'm seeing it at your point of view. Do you know what else? Is I'm hearing that Christians are getting an encouragement for them to be able to get a boldness and speak about their faith. So, hey, if you want to have a joy in spite of, stop looking at the situation as you see it and start looking, God, what do you see in this situation? How can I get your perspective? What are you trying to do in and through me in this so that others can be encouraged? One of the greatest things that ever happened to me was in that year of 2016 when Tony was sick and some of the things we went through. The greatest compliment anyone ever gave me was I watched you and I thought, if you can do it, I can do it. That's what it's here. That's a God perspective. I could spend my time going, well, why me? Why this? Why that? But you know what? I think, thank you, God, that whatever you allowed me to walk through, because I was able to develop an in spite of joy, I've been able to encourage others. And they're going, I know you. I know all about you. You're as human as I am. And if you can do it, then guess what? I can do it too. You want to have an in spite of joy? You've got to get a higher view. The other thing I get here from what Paul is saying, is we've got to learn to live by priority and not by problem. Many of us are problem-driven. We run from problem to problem to problem. But we've got to be like Paul and be priority-driven. I mean, I don't know if you captured it there, but in verses 15 to 18, he's talking about the fact that the man's in jail for his faith. And then people, if you want to kick a man when he's down, people are trying to create hassles for him. People are preaching Christ out of wrong motives, hoping that it would actually stir up dissension and more trouble for Paul. And I don't know about you, but you'd be like, well, hang on a second. That's not fair. Hang on a second. That's not true. That's unjust. And I don't know about you, but something in me would rise up saying, no, 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 come on, God, this is not right. But Paul says, no, 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 no. Kath, I live by priority, not by problem. Because again, me being here means that Christ's name is being prayed. You go, okay, maybe some of them are doing it for negative reasons. Maybe some of them are trying to do it to create hassles for me. Because, But you know what? Christ is being preached. I'm in here because Christ is being preached. I'm like, my priority is to make Him known. And if I'm here and people are out there and they're preaching about God and they're telling people about God, then you know what? That's a priority. That is why I'm here. And if you want to have an in spite of joy, you need to live by priority, not by problem. And I just said to Tony the other day, you know what? We've got to learn to not sweat the small stuff. Because there's always going to be issues, things that come up and compete and vie for your time. And we're talking about how do I have a joy that's in spite of? And you know what? You've just got to say, that's a problem, but it's not a priority. And here's another little key, is you can't let everybody else's problems rob you of your priority. Actually, I've got a priority. This is, it may be a problem to you. But actually, that problem is not part of the priority in what I'm doing. We had a phenomenal uh, night last night. We're going to have another phenomenal night tonight, a great morning this morning. But you know what? That's come because people have put a priority in their world. Some people, like Tony said, have been practising and rehearsing since July this year, which means they've had to say no to some things to be able to say yes to this. Even this week leading up for us is a busy week. So within our home, our kids know we've just lived our home. I can't do a production week or a Christmas week or like an Easter week. Things that are big for us in church life, we can't do them the same as normal. 
It's just to say yes to this, I have to say no to that. And if you are problem driven, you'll say no to the wrong things and yes to the wrong things. And we've got to say, no, I live by priority. Paul's saying, I live by priority. My priority is that Christ would be made known. And so, you know what? I can get all bitter and bent out of shape for these people who are trying to do me harm. Or I can say, God, I've had a pr- a, an amazing opportunity to be a witness here that people have been encouraged by my chains. People have been encouraged by the way I've done life. And right now, right now, I can sweat the small stuff and get annoyed at those people and then lose my witness and my ongoing witness. Or I can just go, I live by priority. God, you're in control. I don't know what it is you're doing and why you're doing it. But when I understand I'm here to make you known, I live your priority. I don't want to lose the edge that I've got. I don't want to lose the witness and the opportunity to shine your light. If you want to, in spite of joy, you've got to live by priority and not by problems. And one of the sayings in our home is, is this, in light of blank, is it wise? And so if you're saying, but you know what, I'm happy because things are going good, but I struggle when things are going bad, hey, you may be problem driven. And start applying to your life. We have it written on the fridge at different seasons and different things. In light of, in light of it's Christmas week and I've got a lot of things to do, is this party wise? In light of I've got an exam tomorrow and things I have to do, is this wise? In light of, is this wise? If you want to have an in spite of joy, you need to live by priority and not by problem. Thirdly, this is what I learned from Paul, is you rely on a power other than yourself. Verse 19, he says this, For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Paul says that in his four years of imprisonment, the two years before he went to Rome and the two years that he was in Rome, there were two things that kept him going. And that was the prayers of the saints and his relationship with his God. And so church, you have to understand, you and I are finite beings. Finite means that we have limitations. God is infinite. God has no limits. But you and I are human and we have uh, limitations to our world. And I don't care how just naturally joyful you are, there comes a time when you will get to the end of yourself. And if you want to have a joy that's not dependent on what's happening to you and when it's good, then I'm joyful and when it's bad, then I lose my joy. If you want an in spite of joy, you have to get past the relying on yourself. We need to be like Paul and rely on the community of brothers and sisters who can support and love and care for us. And most importantly, we have to rely on a a communion and a relationship with the God in heaven who loves us and who's created us and wants to do life with you. If you're finding your tense and if you're finding a struggle to keep your joy, then you've, the first place you've got to go is, God, where am I letting things block my relationship with you? Because Nehemiah 8 says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And if I'm feeling weak and I'm feeling like I'm not getting on top of things, then I have to, the first place I go, I've lost my joy, which means it's the joy of the Lord, which means it's His joy and His strength that He wants to impart to me. So I have to position myself to be able to receive that. And Paul's a great example. He's in jail. 
He is chained constantly with guards. He's got no privacy and yet he's going, you know what, I've got a joy and I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice because I understand that naturally this can suck the life out of me. Naturally, this can make me feel depressed. Naturally, in my own uh, forbearings and in my own strength, I don't have what it takes to keep this up. But I've tapped into something that there's a strength out there and there's a power out there and there's a joy out there that can only come through a living, dynamic relationship with this God and Creator of heaven. If you want a joy that's in spite of what's happening, then you've got to rely on a power outside of yourself. And again, I've mentioned many times, but in that year 2016, when we as a family walked through some of that stuff, I can't tell you where I would be if it wasn't for one, my own personal relationship with Jesus, where at the end of a tough hospital day, at the end of some more bad news and some more of this, where you could just get to be one and one with Daddy and say, God, I don't know if I can take any more of this. And just spend time with Him and saying, I'm at the at the edge of what I can do. I feel stretched and at a capacity where I'm feeling like I could break. And just being in God's presence and in Daddy's presence and have His joy and His strength and His love and His power enable me to continue to go on. But it wasn't just my personal relationship with God. It was my family. It was those who I do life with. It was the uh, staff members who would be sending me texts, coming around, praying for me, seeing for me. It was the phone calls you would get from overseas. People say, I'm just thinking about you. And they would ring you. They would talk to you. They'd send you encouragement. It was the community of believers that God placed me in that gave me a joy that was like, in spite of this, God, I do not need to lose my testimony. I do not need to be under the circumstances and under what's happening to me. I can be on top of them, not because of who I am, not because there's anything in me, but I've tapped into who you are and the strength that is available to me through you directly in your spirit and through the company of people that you've placed around me. And then fourthly, we're talking about how do you have an in spite of joy? When you're at the shops this week and there's road rage in the car park because everybody's wanting to get there or there's the last toy that you're wanting to get and you're fighting over that, how do you have an in spite of joy? Paul says that he surrenders to a greater purpose. You have to understand, Paul is old by now and he's tired. They've taken away from him his friends. They've taken away from him his freedom. They've taken away from him his privacy. But the one thing they cannot take away from him is his purpose. He says in verse 21, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now I want to tell you something. I don't believe Paul is suicidal here. I don't think he is saying, Oh, that's it. I'm done. I'm finished. He goes on to say that, hey, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I would rather go and be with Christ. But if it's better I remain here for you, then that is what I'll choose. So he's not saying, oh, please, I'm done, Lord, take me. It's not a suicidal cry. He's just saying, I understand, I've got a purpose. And if I'm here on this earth, then I'm not done. And Paul, to me, is the you've heard the saying, if you're not dead, you're not done. Paul, to me, is the author of that. We've just got modern, we've modernised it and then tried to claim it. But he's saying, if I'm not dead, then I'm not done. And if you want to have an in spite of joy, you've got to have a greater purpose and surrender to it. The problem with our world is that we 
live in a world that makes it all about us. Let me think about this question. How would you fill in this blank? Paul says, for me to live is Christ. But how would you fill it in? For me to live is possessions. For me to live is position. For me to live is power. For me to live is popularity. You put in there, what is your for me to live? Paul has understood that he's here for a greater purpose, that heaven is indeed his home and his purpose is beyond the grave and the good news for you and I is so is ours. Many people lack joy today because we have a total preoccupation with me and you have a total preoccupation with you. It's all about what makes me happy. What makes me happy? What's best for me? If you want to have an in spite of joy, you need to surrender to a greater purpose. It's not all about you and it's not all about me. We have been given a privilege on this earth to make Christ known. If it was all about us just knowing Jesus, then once we knew Jesus, we could go home and be with Him. But He leaves us here for a purpose. We have a purpose greater than actually getting married and having kids. It's part of the purpose, but it's not the purpose. We have a greater purpose than just attending church on Sunday. It's part of the purpose, but it's not the purpose. We come to church on Sunday because, you know what, I need to be filled up so that I can go and give out. We have a joy in spite of when we surrender to the greater purpose. I'm going to ask if the band could come back. Because I just want to provide, I was so enjoyed the worship that we had this morning. And I know it's Christmas and I know that um, there's lots of things that compete for our time. There's lots of things that compete for our uh, emotions and it is easy. Hey, I've been at the shops and someone's stolen my car park and there's everything in you. you just It's the small stuff that you start to sweat. And it's times like this when you just have to have a fresh revelation. You have to have just a recalibration and say, God, where have I just let the season get in front of the reason. And I don't know about you, but we have an opportunity tonight to come, not only for us to come to a service and be encouraged and blessed by the performance we're going to see, but who's in your world that as soon as the service finishes in here today, you can go on home, give them a ring and invite them. Or go one better, purchase their ticket, go around and pick them up and bring them here. If you want an in spite of joy, understand life's not all about you. But you're here for a purpose. You're here like Paul said, I'm here, while I'm here, because for me to live is Christ and me to die is gain. But some of my friends and family actually can't say that right now. But I have an opportunity where I can reach out to them. I have an opportunity where I can say, you know what? I want to be able to position them so that they can have an opportunity to meet this King that I know and love. I believe that God wants us to enjoy life and not endure it. And to do that, we need to develop an in spite of and not a because of joy. A joy that's not just decking our hall, the halls of our lives at Christmas or at birthdays or when things are going right, but a joy that decorates the halls of our life 
day in, day out, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And to do that, we need a higher view. We need to start living by priority and not living by the problems. We need to rely on a power that is um, not of our own, but a power that comes from God and God alone. And you and I need to surrender to a greater purpose. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 